0: I love this time of year. I really do. Even with all the hectic and all the crazy and how chaotic things can be, I really enjoy this time of year. And I especially enjoy it whenever 96.5 completely switches to Christmas music. Because basically for this whole month, I'm not listening to talk radio. I'm not listening to sports radio. <laughs> I've got my radio dial while I'm in the car on Christmas music. I like Christmas music. Christmas music just touches a part of us in a way that really nothing else does. I mean, you think about a song like, uh, like White Christmas. It was 70 degrees in Alabama last week. And I'm cruising around singing White Christmas as if it could happen. Because that's what Christmas songs do. They kind of instill some hope in us as to what we think it it might be. It connects us to our past. It connects us to precious people, precious memories. Christmas music is a pretty special thing. And when you think about it, what we think of as the, the classics, man, they've been around a minute now. I think White Christmas was written around 42, if I remember correctly. So, I mean, it's it's been around a minute. Now, you, now notice you don't see Thanksgiving songs or Mother's Day songs or Father's Day songs, <laughs> but Christmas songs. Man, there's just something powerful about singing. There's something powerful about singing these songs. And there's something so so very powerful about the birth of jesus christ and i tell you what it is is it gives us a a different way to look at life you know when you think about the birth of jesus and you think about looking at things in a different way i'm talking about looking at something in a way that's not as mainstream it's it's not about the the status quo being met truth be told the birth of Jesus Christ, the very idea of it was quite revolutionary. Mildred Frost, she wrote a book entitled Exile, where she spoke about the days of the apartheid. And one of the things that she wrote about was that during those days in South Africa, a lot of the Christmas hymns, they were completely outlawed. And they were outlawed because they didn't want anybody singing about a a higher power, someone greater, someone more mighty than the people who were oppressing them. So specifically, as an example, they mentioned joy to the world. and said this song cannot be sung. It was banned. Why? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. I don't want to hear that. I'm in charge. You've got to listen to me. I don't want you singing about the the coming of, of someone greater, someone mightier, some other king. But what do we know? We know and hopefully we understand that one day every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. There is not a kingdom greater. There is not a nation greater than Jesus. For some, that is a very revolutionary idea. They don't like the sound of it. They don't like the way that it makes them feel. Let's look at the birth of Christ this morning and let's see how it can make our outlook a little bit different. Now, it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. That was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terribly frightened. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. You see, the birth of Jesus, it gives us a different way to to even view history. Let's face it, in our world today, there are a lot of people who pretty much look at history, anything historical, as being pretty well pointless. But if there is one thing we know for certain about the birth of Christ, is that it happened at a very specific moment in time. Listen to what Paul would write in Galatians chapter 4. There, beginning in verse 4. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman born under the law, in order that he may, might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as Son. When the fullness of God came, God sent forth his Son. We go back to Luke 2 just for a moment. There in verse 1. It refers to the days of Caesar Augustus. We're told that Quirinius was governor over Syria. Why? Luke was a historian. And as Luke is writing his Gospel, he's wanting to make sure that you know this isn't just some fable. This isn't some you know once upon a time kind of story. This is something that actually happened and here are the historical people that were in power when this happened, so you can go back in time, you can go back in history, and you can know that this actually occurred. Now why is that so important? Because Christianity, Christianity is the only religion based on a historical fact that the Son of God, God in the flesh, at a certain point in time he entered this world we're not talking about just some feeling somebody had we're not talking about some vision somebody had out in the field somewhere we're talking about a point in history reality something that is real a time that you can go back to and say this is the point in time when christ was born Now, we do not know the actual date which he was born. But we know it was a pretty big deal in history. Because what happened from that point? We went from B.C. to A.D. I mean, it is a huge point on your historical timeline. And so the birth of Christ should cause us to have even a very different outlook on history itself. Oh, I got behind on my own clicking. The birth of Jesus should also give us a a different view of God. Listen, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in our world today, they don't believe in God. And even more tragic probably than that are the amount of people who say they believe in God, but they don't live like they believe in God. And that's also a very tragic thing. But what I want you to know today is that our God, as we sang about just a few moments ago, He's alive. He's not some dead God. He's not some God of old. He's not some God of myth or fable or lore. Our God. Our God, He is alive. He entered this world, God in the flesh. He is He is our Emmanuel. He's not unknown. You can know him. I can know him. He's not dead. He is very much alive. He entered this world. With a purpose, and his purpose was to redeem man, to rescue us from our own sinful state, to rescue us, oh man, to rescue us from the fate that should have awaited us all, to rescue us from the very depths of hell. He came to restore a relationship between us and God the Father that no one else could have ever restored. But Jesus did that for us. The birth of Jesus also gives us a very different way of looking at salvation. Hopefully we understand that when we are without Christ, we are without hope. If we don't have Jesus in our life, there is no chance. There is no hope. But with Christ, With Christ, there is hope. Without Christ, there is no hope of of heaven. There's no hope of redemption. There's no hope of reconciliation. There's no hope of salvation. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is absolutely no hope. But if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you have the hope of all of those things and so much more. You have the hope of eternal life. You have the hope of a heavenly home. You have the hope of redemption. You have the hope of being reconciled with God the Father. Man, that is absolutely amazing. And that is the greatest gift. The greatest gift that mankind has ever been given. I don't know what you're hoping for under your tree this year. I don't know what letters you've written to Santa. But I want you to know this, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is no gift on this earth that you could ever receive from anyone that will come close to the gift that God has provided for all mankind through the birth of Jesus. Through His birth, through His life, through His death, through His resurrection, you have the hope of salvation. And that's a gift that no one else could give maybe, you. Maybe you heard about the, the grandma. She meant really, really well one year. She decided that this year, the grandkids, they were all getting a little bit older, so they would probably just like money, right? I mean, money, it, it, the right, right size, right color. Everybody likes getting money in a card. So she thought she would just send them all money. And that way they could just get for themselves what they wanted. So she went out. And she took the time to pick out some beautiful cards, heartfelt, a lot of meaning to them. And she sat down and she wrote in the cards and she made out all the checks and then she sent the cards off. A few days later, she's busy around the house cleaning up, taking care of some things and what do you think she found? That stack of checks. She had sent all the cards and forgot to put the check in it. And inside of each card... How she had signed it to each grandkid was this. This year, buy your own present. (laughs) Some of us may think that's a pretty good idea. (laughs) It would definitely make Christmas a lot cheaper, wouldn't it? Sometimes, maybe we look at our salvation in a similar way. We, We think that God somehow has set out for us to buy it. To purchase it for ourselves. But we can't. There is absolutely nothing that you or I can do to purchase, to buy, to earn, to deserve even. (laughs) Salvation. Salvation through the blood of Jesus is the greatest gift mankind has ever known. And we, we should be a people who understand that and who can embrace the grace that God has shown us through His Son, who can really embrace the gift that He's given to us and how awesome it is, and in turn, want to share it with those around us. The birth of Jesus also gives us a a very different way, a very different way to regard our our very purpose in this life. Why, Why am I here? What's my purpose in this life? He's the Messiah. They understood that. He was Emmanuel. God with us. They understood the prophecies. They understood who this baby was. Lord. King. You know, when you understand that He is your King, it really does begin to change your perspective on life. And then and only then, oftentimes you can begin to see the need not to live for yourself, but to live for God. To truly live your life in a way that's pleasing to Him. Because you get it now. You you know you're not in control. You know you're not the one calling the shots. That it's not about what you want, but it's about His will being done. He's Lord, He's Savior, He's Master, He's King. You see a pattern here? These are some pretty big words. And if we want Him to save us from the depths of hell, then we must also embrace the duality of the role that He serves in our life, that He is our Savior and He gives us the free gift of salvation. But with that gift comes this condition. You must surrender. You must allow Him to be Lord of your life. And for Him to call the shots. Jesus would say in Mark chapter 12, there beginning of verse 29, when asked what's the most important thing, He said the foremost is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. What's our purpose? When someone slaps us, we turn the other cheek. When someone curses us, we bless them. When someone hates us, we pray for them. You see, that's a purpose much greater than our own. Those are the moments when we really begin to see that we're trying to live a surrendered life And that we don't always do in this life what we would want to do. And we don't always react in this life the way we may naturally feel compelled to react. But oftentimes it's the very opposite of what our first instinct may be. And if we really understand who's calling the shots, who the Lord is, then we understand how important it is to carry out His will. We can live how we want to live. We can do whatever we want to do. That is completely up to us. We can ignore the the teachings of Christ in our life. And I'm going to tell you this. When we do that, the end result is always the same. The end result is always selfishness, emptiness, and misery. Time and time and time again. Every time I go down that road of me, As opposed to that road that leads to the Savior, I find that I'm unfulfilled. I find that the the joy of the Lord has has escaped me. I find that I'm I'm constantly searching for something to to make and keep me happy. And there is no doubt, there is no doubt that sin, man, there is a, a temporary happiness that comes with sin. If that temporary happiness didn't exist, it wouldn't be tempting. Like we wouldn't succumb to it. But you know as well as I do. You know how fleeting that happiness is. And if you have heart for the Lord at all, you understand the the burden of the guilt that it carries that comes after it, don't you? But when we fully begin to live our life for God, our purpose changes. Our purpose changes in a very dramatic and wonderful way because we see that living for Him, man, it's so much bigger, so much greater than even we are. The birth of Christ also gives us a very different view of joy. Oh man, the arrival of the birth of the Messiah, man, it brought joy. It brought so much joy that that even the angels in heaven were singing. Wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly on the wall and heard the angels in heaven singing? Oh, what joy. Life, this life, it's not about money or power. It's about living for the Lord. And when you finally get that and we, we finally start to live that way, what do we find? We find joy. We find true joy. We find immeasurable joy. We find a joy that no one can rob us of, even in the midst of, of just life heart heartbreaking circumstances that, that come our way. A, a joy that is absolutely amazing. A joy that Only Jesus can provide. Listen, just a a few moments, Mark is going to lead a a medley of songs for us as we close out our our worship time today. And I want to encourage you to really think about their meaning. To think about their purpose. To think about their their message. Because I, I think sometimes... I know, I know sometimes we can get so busy with buying and wrapping presents and decorating and entertaining. We can get so busy with all those other things this time of year that we lose sight of the power that is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Powerful, powerful thing. In, in 1944, a man by the name of Ernest Gordon, he, uh, he wrote a book. Uh, it would have been after 1944, but he wrote a book about his time being a prisoner of war in Burma. And he, he wrote about how humiliating it was, and he wrote about how degrading it was, and how hard it was, But he said on on Christmas Day, 1944, uh, the powers that be, they gave them the holiday. They, They freed them up from their labors for the day. And he said, of course, that was very exciting to all of them to have that day to not be working. He said, so a few of them gathered around a small fire there in the prison camp, and they just started singing songs about the birth of Jesus. And he said that in that moment, then other prisoners started gathering around and they all started joining in. In a prison camp with seemingly no end in sight, in a situation that couldn't have seemed worse, they praised God. And he wrote that it was the most spiritual day of his life why it's because singing is powerful it's because singing unchanging truths are powerful listen as we sing these songs in just a moment if you need to respond to the invitation of God do so If you need to obey the gospel and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, do so. If you need to ask the church to pray with you and for you about something this morning, do so. But as we're singing these songs, church, I I would encourage us all to just in our minds, I go back to Bethlehem. Go back to Bethlehem for just a few moments and, and just try to sing these truths these unchanging truths that give us a different perspective of life. Give us a better perspective of this life. We can help you. Won't you come as we all stand and sing together?